0: Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and I need a haircut. This chat is with the infamous Sheridan graduate, and amazing Disney intern turned Netflix storyboard artist, Austin Faber. Austin excelled the minute he left high school, starting with him working on his community college's newspaper where he made a comic strip that got marginally popular and won some awards, which helped him land his first internship at Disney. Since then, he's gone on to help create amazing things like Disney's The Owl House and Netflix's The Witch Boy. In our chat, Austin is going to share what it was like being a black animator going through predominantly white animation school and how he's seen diversity in the workplace change over the few years he's been in the industry professionally. He's also going to share the very unusual way that he got into storyboarding and all of his top tips to stay on top of your game. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Austin. How is it going over there?
1: Hey, Terry. You know, it's actually cold in Los Angeles right now, which is a nice change of pace. (laughs) Uh, I'm wearing a jacket but
0: yeah what the heck i see it says disney parks on it disney yeah so it's
1: yeah so i worked actually i got this while i was working at the animation studio they have like this employee store where they sell like disney march from all parts of the company and i just got this because it's
0: it was on discount
1: (laughs) so that's why i got it
0: okay because it because i would see you wearing that and be like oh you worked at disney but you're like no i just i just bought it from disney parks yeah
1: you know it, it is an employee shirt um but they uh within disney animation studios they have like an employee store with like employee like exclusive merch huh. and you can bring like i mean you bring people on for tours they can buy employee merch that's super cool um <laughs> yeah but it's my it's my favorite thing now mostly because it's comfy
0: disney staff cool all right well tell me what you're working on these days like let's let's jump in yeah What's going on um, so I'm currently at Netflix
1: Animation Studios. I'm working on a feature that's recently been announced called The Witch Boy. Yeah, which was originally a book written by Molly Ostertag, and it's being now adapted by my group, my director Mink Lee. Amazing. Uh, who's I think he's a genius, but I won't get too I I won't get too much into that. We we'll can talk about that later. But he's no, he's amazing. He's taking a very personal spin on the story. Um. You know, I can't talk too much about the contents of the story, but I can kind of talk about, you know, the fact that it's a musical. Uh, we have Heim, uh the band, uh, doing the music for us, and it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Sounds like, have...
0: What do you do? I mean, I know what you're doing on this, but what are, what are you working on on the movie?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, so I'm doing storyboards right now. Yeah. I'm I'm one of the uh, story artists on the team. It was kind of cool because I think I came on pretty early on production where like we didn't like have boards yet. So I got to help with the beatboard process and I got to help with the exploratory designs and it was way, really, way really
0: fun. So, t- yeah. Tell me about that, because like uh, TV story, which you were on previously, is like very almost is it almost like set? Like you have a script, you got to knock something out in like 11 or 22 minutes. But like feature story from what I've heard is it's like you said, very exploratory. Are you like also writing kind of what's happens in the scenes as the story artist yourself?
1: Sometimes, yeah. Um, there would be... And this would happen in TV as well. So, like, in TV, there are typically, like, outline-driven shows and, like, uh, script-driven shows. Yeah. I was technically on... When I was on Cuphead, it was technically an outline-driven show. So we made up a lot of the dialogue and, you know, there was a lot of room for interpretation. Uh, which Boy... Te- which Boy is a script driven project, but it's kind of like you can plus things. So it's exploratory to the point where it's like, hey, we have a script, <clears throat> but it's not super final. So maybe we can like plus it. Um, so that's, and that's, I think most features, honestly, I think they do that at Disney feature and like Pixar as well. Gotcha. Um,
0: How much are you, so like you're working like nine to five type of hours, right?
1: I should be, okay. I don't, because I don't, yeah, I've never been able to work nine to five. Thankfully, my team is very flexible, so I'm able to do, like, I don't know, like, noon to, like, eight, you know what I mean... Okay,
0: but I guess my, my question is, like, how much of the feature are you boarding yourself? Are you, do you get, like, a list of scenes you need to board, and then you just match them up with whoever's boarded before and after you? Or it's, like, you are boarding this whole portion of the movie and that's your responsibility.
1: That would vary, like, and I think, like I said, this, I think it happens for most features. So, and I guess I'll make a comment about feature in general, because I think what usually happens is like, you might get a section, like a big section of a story. You know what I mean? Like it might be, you know, if it's frozen, you might get the entire let it go sequence for Elsa and that you're gonna board that entire thing. You know what I mean? Which is insane because it makes sense. You need to be consistent with just one board artist, but then there might be like smaller interactions or maybe like, I'm just using Frozen as an example, but it might be like Anna and like Olaf having like a conversation like in a canoe. And it's like a very small section that you might just get that. So you can get a variety of handouts. Some okay, so like when, it, or when it makes
0: sense for a consistent person to be honest, if that makes sense to me, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Um, okay, well tell me, You've been at Netflix for two years now. Like, how does, how does that feel? You know, like, you're pretty fresh in your career coming out of school. Like, I know that you even decided to get into animation kind of just, I guess, like, well, school is like four years. So, like, I was going to say recently, but like, pretty close to you going to school. Like, how does it feel? Yeah. Being working at like a, we've also worked at Disney, like two of the most biggest, the biggest studios in the world right now.
1: Yeah. I, I have whiplash, not going to lie, like a yeah. little bit. Because uh, you are right. I got into art seriously, quote unquote, pretty late. I only started drawing seriously maybe a year before I applied to Sheridan. Um, and then I got in, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something with story and narrative and directing, which actually led me to storyboarding and character design. Yeah, And then, yeah, right after graduation, I got my Disney TV internship. And then right after the internship ended, I went to Netflix and I've been here ever since. So I am still pretty fresh, but uh, it's been kind of awesome, not gonna lie, because even at Netflix, I've been able to, you know, spread my wings a little bit as like, you know, sort of a, even like a mini director, like on Cuphead, I had the opportunity to uh, sort of just kind of go crazy with an episode idea like i can't talk about what the episode is but there was an episode that we think was pitched and they were like okay this is very like not on brand for cuphead but it seems like something like austin want want to do so let's just take a risk and let him do it and i was just kind of like okay like i'm just gonna go crackhead mode and just literally do whatever and i wound up getting the attention of some executives at netflix and they were just kind of like who is that over there who did that and they were they were like i don't know that's austin and i'm just like they're like okay we want you to maybe pitch something to us
0: but like oh, that's so days. cool so wait wait so like the director specifically chose you or the storyboard supervisor or whatever to to do this episode because they they're like we really like austin's work he's got some crazy ideas let's let him go to town or is it randomly like you were on the episode and they're like we don't like just do whatever you want um i actually don't even have a straight answer for that because i still hmm. don't know how it works
1: i know that for the most part like the director or showrunner will have like three episodes that you know, he needs to hand out. And I think he was like, all right, so we're gonna give this one to you know, Zoe and Ian. We'll give this one to Ben and like Carl. Okay, and then like me and my board partner, Nick Lauer, who I adore. And I don't think I would have even gotten and I couldn't have done the episode without him, genuinely, because he and I made like a really amazing team. It was more of just like me and teams, me and Nick's team dynamic. You know what I mean? Like the the genre of the episode was something that I they knew i really liked but they also knew that me and nick since we worked together as revisionists together for a year before we got promoted they knew that we worked really, really well so they were like "Oh, let's just let's take a chance on the kids we just promoted cute um and it was fun
0: nice that's awesome and also that you got that opportunity and roll with it and that you got attention for it that's amazing i'm, I'm also wondering like you know you've been at netflix for two years and you've worked on a number of shows how do you transition from one show to the next like ends and they just, the, the Mr. Netflix is like, Austin, I'm gonna put you over here now, or or do you have to like re, like look at everything and just a, like apply? You're like.
1: Yeah, so this was something new to me at Netflix. Um, usually how it works, and this is not every studio, but for most studios up here that I've seen, um, you kind of have art managers. Um, to do that for you. So art managers are different than recruiters. Recruiters get talent externally. Art managers handle talent internally. So if you, Terry, are on, let's pretend you're at Disney TV and you're on the Owl House and your time is ending. Your art manager will be like, okay, cool. Amphibia has an opening and they think you'd be a good fit. I will put you over there. Okay. Netflix is similar. So like essentially when Cuphead ended, they were like, okay, so we are looking for a thing for you. But I got really lucky because Minkyu, my director from Witch Boy, actually reached out to me before my end date on Cuphead. Um, Yeah, he found me on Instagram and he was kind of like, and he was really digging my stuff and he wanted to bring me. Actually, yeah, actually, it was Mark Sperber, who's a Sheridan grad, who put my name in. I think he, because he's at Netflix right now, head of story on a project. And he was talking to Minkyu being like, hey, I found this kid at Sheridan. May want to look him up and then make you did and he was like I want him on which boy so and they didn't happen
0: they didn't even know you worked at Netflix they found you through Instagram they didn't and then coincidentally yeah. they're like oh he's actually just down the hall you can like go have lunch with him right now
1: <laughs> yeah it was basically that it was funny because one of the recruiters sent me an email saying like hello from Netflix and I was just like <laughs> and I, I, I'm like I work here and she's like I'm sorry and I was like it's totally fine because there's <laughs> lots of lots of artists to manage. Cause Netflix has grown like at least 200% since I've gotten there.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. What's going on there right now. That's insane. Okay. So you mentioned, a, you mentioned a couple of things that I want to take you back in time a little bit. Like, you know, you just started doing art and decided you wanted to do narrative story. Like where does that, where does that come from? And also you did like a year at Cal arts as well before you went to share. Yeah.
1: That? I, yeah. So I did, um, I did a summer session at CalArts called uh, the Animation Residency. It's kind of like uh, the high school version. The high school version is CISA, which is like, you know, a pre-college program. This was for college students specifically trying to enter the animation program. So I applied to that and I did that for the summer. And it was actually really great because um, CalArts teaches things very very differently than I seen anywhere else like they were like you're gonna like draw on the floor like you're gonna forget everything you thought you knew about art and you were going to just completely focus on observation and you know f- studying film and like making yourself like an artist well-rounded and I'm just like I'm like damn and to answer your second question like my love for story I've always loved doing like you know comics right I I think I always just love telling stories, just like even verbally. I wasn't always much of a visual artist. I would just love telling stories. But, uh, you know, comics were the best way to do it because I was a very shy kid.
0: Okay, so, Uh, (laughs) but like a story artist, you're drawing constantly all the time. Yeah. And why didn't you get into like, you know, writing or... A different medium, rather than something that you just said you weren't even really into, but somehow now you're telling stories exclusively through moving your hand on a page with a pencil in it.
1: Because even though I wasn't particularly good at visual arts, I always loved it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think I like that. I liked showing things visually than trying to write it. Because my, mm-hmm. you know, because as artists, our imaginations are so vivid, right? And sometimes we want to just physically put it on the paper. So I think it was just a natural thing. Um, so,
0: you, so you had, so you, you know, you made a conscious decision to get into animation to tell narrative story. You're like, this is what I want to yeah. do. And then you like came to Canada f- and got into Sheridan and like did the whole animation program and like, you know, studied character design, CG, etc. But your, your mission the whole time was to do storyboarding.
1: Uh, not the entire time. I think the first two years I was solely going for character design yeah um yeah because I was like you know I was like oh like I, I love drawing characters and that'd be a that'd be a dope job so why don't I just do that and then it wasn't until third year that I was like
0: hmm well
1: it's actually because I got a tour at Disney TV by Cheyenne Curtis who's an alumni from 2011 I met her on a sidewalk I'll we can talk about that later <laughs> but like she saw my shirt and teach like I was I was in LA she saw my shirt and Like hoodie, and she's like, "I went to Sheridan. I don't see many people from Sheridan out here. You should come visit me at Disney." And I was like, "Okay,
0: yeah, please."
1: It it basically happened like that, and then it was like, you know, she she was a character designer at the time, and she showed me a bit of what her job was, and it was a little bit different than what I thought. Like character design is more like tying down, you know, designs from the storyboard. It's more like just finessing things so you can use them overseas. It's you know, it's clear. Now I, I was like, okay, so I actually want to be a part of the process that designs, or, or the, like the first iteration of a story. And that is storyboarding naturally. So I kind of changed my path.
0: That makes sense. Because you wanted to design stuff and you saw that the storyboard artist was the person who designed stuff from the beginning. And then it's like finesse later on.
1: Yeah. And again, it depends on the crew. Like, you know, if I know for a regular show, the storyboard artist would typically be the first designers. They would do like a pre-design and then, and that's usually called pre-viz. Yeah. Call um, and Cuphead was similar, um, but other shows, like I think Amphibia, like they have a character designer who does the pre-designs as well. And I think Owl House does something similar. So yeah, it's like, it depends on the, on the show, but I wanted to be a part of that first pass either way.
0: Nice. Okay. So, I don't know why I feel this way, but maybe, maybe it's true, but I feel like story artists is one of the hardest paths in animation to get into. Like there's a big demand for people who can do like rigged animation and like CG animation, but like story artists, there's not many roles. And so like, at least from my experience, going to Sheridan and even talking with artists, it seems like it's, you have to be really amazing, you know, like you have to like really be able to tell great stories. You need to be life drawing every single day. You need to like be able to, have all knowledge of like cinematography and like all this stuff is that is that true that's news to me are you life drawing constantly like at Sheridan they are like oh you you want to be a storyboard artist like you go to life drawing every day like (laughs) oh my god I mean you know okay I will
1: say there's a germ of truth to it but only a germ like I think the good news for any aspiring story artist is that you don't need to have perfect cinematography. You don't need to have perfect any. You don't need to have perfect anything. It's more about having a vision that's unique to you. Like having a like having your thumbprint be as visible as possible because everyone is unique in that sense. So, like,
0: uh, uh, yeah. I guess when I'm putting together a portfolio, it's or you're looking at portfolios. Some just look like generic. What I think somebody would want me to, what you'd think. Uh some storyboards are like super generic and it's mm-hmm. like okay you made the character go from point a to b and then the storyboard is that you want is like you made the character go from point a to b but there's like x c z t in the middle and it like it's it's you
1: yeah um and that's something that i actually I i was i actually helped out with reviewing storyboards recently for our trainee program so i was able to sort of sit in the chair of like a recruiter and sort through some proposals. nice that's like and it was that's amazing. Fun. Yeah, I, I I was really glad they let me they let me do it, um, but it was really it was really interesting to see, like a common thread between a lot of people that were I think a bit weaker at storyboarding, hmm. because a lot of people were super good at drawing. You know, what yeah. I mean? like a lot of people can draw really well. I think it's kind of what you said. A lot of the stories were either like generic or they were making very common sort of beginner mistakes, which is not having strong draftsmanship, you know? Cause I think, I, I find that a lot of people wanted to get into storyboarding for similar reasons that I did, which is that you don't have to make super finessed finished drawings, right? Mm-hmm. But the misconception is that because you draw fast, you don't need to learn how to draw and you need and you need those foundations as much as anything else, the animation, gotcha. as, as much as any other department. Like, you know, whenever I, uh, talk to students who want to get into storyboarding. They're always like, oh, where do I start? Like, here are my boards, what do I do? And I'm just like, don't even worry about boarding. Worry about getting your drawings down and focus on writing a good story. And I learned that, I, I'm just parroting advice I got from my mentor actually between third and fourth year. Uh, Cause I didn't get a co-op. <laughs> so I had to, so I wound up doing uh, a mentorship and my mentor, Richard Chavez, uh, okay wait wait. I, I, I want yeah, yeah, to yeah yeah we, we, I yeah I want to talk about
0: it as a point but also I'm like wondering you know I'm listening to this right now and maybe I'm maybe I'm at Sheridan or like you know I'm trying to get right. into storyboarding how can I take like a self-assessment and say like uh from your from your point of view like what are the skills that I have or just the intuition that I have internally that is going to make me a good storyboarder because like anybody can learn you know how to uh yeah. draw and how to cinematography but like what is that like what is that natural in, inside you thing that makes for a good storyboarder from your perspective and the people that you work with that like make yeah. it in the industry versus like apply forever and don't get in? Lean on
1: your strengths, <clears throat> for sure. Um, this doesn't apply to everyone, but I think I like to sort of categorize most people as one of two story types, uh, cinematographers and actors. Um, you obviously need a bit, You need a bit of both but a lot of people are usually one or the other, usually not all the time, right? Like I'm more of an actor. So I tend to lean on my acting strengths, especially when I was doing my portfolio. I didn't worry about the cinematography or making cool shots or camera movements. Cause I knew that wasn't my inclination. I knew I could get good at that, but I knew my strength was acting and character and expression. And that's what people notice. Whereas a friend of mine, who I think he's inc- absolutely incredible, uh, He's the opposite, he's a cinematographer. And he loves film noir, you know, he loves like, also like weird stuff like Wes Anderson and also like, you know, Hitchcock stuff. But like, that's very present in his films. He tells stories through camera and through lighting and through mood.
0: So you, Uh, when you're putting together your portfolio, you're like, I wanna focus on what makes me stand out as a storyboard artist. And even though I'm not super strong in all areas like cinematography, if I focus more of my attention on that, it might become more washed out and not show what my strengths are.
1: Yeah. yeah. You might be spread too thin. Cause I find that a lot of people try to do too much at once. Like they try to be good at photography, make their thing super moody and make it well like rendered and well drawn. It, it's so much. And I just feel like, yeah, le- leaning on your comfort zone as weird as it sounds. Okay. I think it's better, you know, but. Uh, so, like if I'm
0: listening to this right now and I'm like, I think I want to be a storyboard artist, uh, I because I have like a strong intuition for telling stories and, uh, I love to share those moments through visually visual medium or whatever. Yeah. And the rest can be learned. Okay, cool. Okay. Now tell me, you know, yeah, uh, third year co op at Sheridan is like the be all and end all of, of your Sheridan career. Like oh you spend two years. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> dressing about
0: third year co-op and then like so uh I stopped going to Sheridan after the thir- first semester of third year right before doing co-op and like oh my goodness and I knew I was I was going to take a semester off to take a job, but like all of my classmates, like so stressed to the max. Cause you're working on like group film, you got to work on your portfolio. You know, you've never had a job before. This is your like first foray into the industry. So tell me if you're like, building this up. <laughs> I, I know. Oh my God. So, really,
1: you, yeah. so you,
0: so you went through this whole process and then tell me what happened
1: yeah so you're actually completely right like from day one of third year it's entirely built up it's like this massive thing that you're going to do at the end of the year you're going to get an industry job
0: and everybody's like are you going to apply to disney or pixar like because those are like yeah solid.
1: yeah and um yeah and everyone in my third year class i was the only one who did not get a co-op i did not get placed and so did you I,
0: have interviews lined up like did you have not a one you didn't have a single a,
1: interview Nope, no callbacks, not a single follow up, nothing. I had silch. And I have to say part of that was my fault. And so like
0: wh- I said, why? Why? Yeah,
1: so I, 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 I will definitely make it very clear. So, <laughs> you know, because like, I, like, like, I want to scare like, I want some,
0: I want to drive fear into everybody. Who yeah, listens.
1: no, Because like, OK, no, I, I, I went to the third year with a chip on my shoulder, you know, because between the summer of second and third year, I pitched a show to Fred Raider Studios uh, the same studio that did *Being Puppy Cat*.
0: Yeah, everything. And, Adventure yeah. Time. Like, where well, you pitched a show to them. What does that mean? You were like, "Hey, f- hey, Fred, cyber." Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, Mr. Fred, uh, orator. Um, I have a show idea. That's actually literally how it went. I sent them a cold email, and I was like, "I have an idea," and I sent them a few images of it, and they're like, "We want to hear about it."
0: Amazing. And did I anything? Pitched. Did anything happen with
1: it? No, um, but they gave me really good feedback. And I felt really good because they were like, are you a student? And I'm just like, yeah, they're like, we don't get much of that. And, 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 you know, and and so I felt like, you know, I felt really
0: just a side note from what you just said. There's this like air of I'm in school right now. I'm not allowed to be part of the industry at all. When like 100 percent, like first year, if you have ideas, you're creating characters for class, you're doing sort of like turn those into your own story pitch and like pitch it around and like, yeah, totally. Sorry. That's just my own personal pet peeve of like. My classmates don't allow themselves to go beyond school, I guess, with what they're doing. Yeah.
1: Well, I know you're very ambitious. I knew of you before I even met you in person. (laughs) So like, (laughs) yeah, I know. But anyways, like it was yeah, it was it was really stressful, you know, because like I like had all this, you know, quote unquote experience under my belt. You know, I Applied to I, I mean, I pitched a show to Frederator, and then I applied to the Stop Motion uh, you know, group at school, and I got in. And I had a portfolio already made that I made in second year. Yeah. Um, and so I went into third year w- already with the portfolio. I was in Stop Motion, which, as you know, is a coveted spot. I shared an animation. And I also, yeah. like, pitched a show as a second year. So yeah. I was kind of, so like, I went in, like, thinking I was ahead. And as a result, I did, I think I got sloppy, you know, I didn't work as hard. I didn't, you know, I, I, I guess I thought I was already qualified and I also knew I was only applying to Burbank studios. So I didn't apply to any Canadian jobs, which I looking back, I wish I did because I think that I could have gotten a lot of valuable experience. Mm. having a job in Canada or Vancouver I wish I was more open to that but I was very tunnel vision like no I am only going to the big studios like I pitch a show you know what I mean and that's and and that's a very that's an amateur mistake that I made and because of that I limited my choices and that's why I did not get a co-op yeah and I don't think I deserved one because I limited myself
0: that's a really good reflection to have you know like to look back and be like I didn't I didn't deserve one like that's I think that's important to 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 make that connection. So tell me what you ended up doing as because you you know, you have to do a co-op. Yeah, you got to
1: do something. Yeah. So end of the year, I was really scared. Um, because I knew. And you know, it's it's really it was really upsetting too because like at, you know, you're also on display in third year because everyone knows who's getting a job and everyone <laughs> knew I didn't get shit. So I was really embarrassed. Um right. and I, I had to talk with the co-op office and they didn't know, tell me either. They were just like, hey, listen, uh, you can maybe do something with like one of the teachers online, or you can, we, re- we'll like, we'll touch base with you maybe a month from now and we'll figure something out for you. And so I went back home with my tail between my legs and like, ended up my gosh. and, but, th- and, but it had a happy ending and here, here's where it got really crazy. So like, um, I used to do- go, ju- I go gesture drawing to this dojo near my house. My mom does Kung Fu, so I, I sometimes go with her and I do gesture drawing and stuff. Um, she's been going to this dojo since I was 14. Wow. And one of her classmates is this guy named Richard Chavez. So I've technically known of Richard since I was like a teenager. We never really talked too much, but I knew of him. And one day he saw me drawing and he came up to me and he's like, hey, like you're, I was talking to your mom. Like I heard you go to Sheridan. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Are you, I see you drawing. And I'm like, yeah and we never talked before so I'm like what do, what do you what, like what does this man want with me right and he's like did she ever tell you I worked in animation and I'm like oh really like what did you do and he's like oh I was actually the art director of Prince of Egypt and I'm just like I'm like I, I thought he was fucking with me honestly just to be honest yeah. i was just like I, I'm like I'm like that has to be made up and he's like no here's my website and <laughs> sure and sure enough not only is his work mind-blowing but he definitely worked on like a bunch of big name projects art director and like production designer. And I was like, oh my God. And he looked like down the street from me. And it turned out that he was best friends with Brenda Chapman. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, it gets, it gets crazier. It all happened within the span of like a few weeks. Cause he was like saying like, oh, I'm working with Brenda Chapman right now. Like, why don't you come over to my house and I'll show you what I'm working on. And I was like, that'd be amazing. And then we meet up and he, tells me that like the project's been put on hold. So he's unemployed for a while. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I'm also unemployed. He's like, what do you mean by that? And I told him the whole Sheridan co-op thing. And he's like, well, uh, if you want, you can come here and draw and I can just mentor you, I guess. And I'm just like, are you serious? And I went back to Sheridan and I'm just like, is this allowed? And they're like, yes. (laughs) So like
0: (laughs) like you did the work for us. Thank you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think Richard was pivotal to my growth as an artist. I think to this wow. day, I would not be at Netflix. I wouldn't have gone to Disney. Nothing would have happened without Richard because he really put me on the right
0: path. I mean, eternally insane. grateful. Yeah, like imagine your mom didn't uh, start going to that dojo when you were fourteen. I know. I would have been out of luck. <laughs> we probably wouldn't be chatting right now. We wouldn't. I'd be at like, I'd be. At, I don't know. I'd be somewhere. Okay, the moral of, of the story is you want to work at netflix get your mom to get into kung fu there you go and then yeah. that's how <laughs> that,
1: that that's, that's that's not working for you so what was
0: it like going to like this art god's house every day and just drawing like did he like teach you everything he knew little grasshopper kung fu boy or like did he just yeah. kind of like observe was... and give you pointers once like like what was that like it was big Karate Kid
1: vibes because I got there and, you know,
0: and, and Richard's a very he's a super calm
1: individual, very funny, but he is very blunt. He's like, maybe, I think he's in his mid fifties. Um, he's seen it all. He he was one of the people that started Sony animation as well. Like he was really? one of like the, yeah, insanely, he knows everything. And so I go to him and he's like, "What do you, he's like, what, do you, what do you want to do? And I was like, Oh, you know, I want to do storyboarding. I want to th- also do character design. I want to do this, and he's just like, "Okay, so what, what? Tell me what happened." And I'm like, "I applied to Cartoon Network and Disney, and I did." And he's like, "Okay, cool. Anyway, show me what you showed them." And I was like, "All right," and I showed him my portfolio, and he's like, "Okay, cool. Um, I know why you didn't get any callbacks." And I'm just like, "What?" And he's like, "This isn't you. You know, this is like the version of you you think they want to see. Yeah, uh, you should you should actually throw all this out." And he was very blunt about it.
0: Yeah, and he- it's so hard to. To not do that, you know, because like school is like a formula to get in the industry, and they're like, This is what you just have to do, and you do it, and you are like lose that heart almost. You
1: do, and he told me that he's he he said that over the summer, what he wanted me to do was unlearn all the bad habits I got from school, and yeah. a lot of them were self-inflicted, you know. And I was like, Okay, cool. So you'll teach, you'll teach, you'll teach me how to storyboard, right? And he was like, Before we touched up on storyboarding, uh take this, and he whooped out this thick sketchbook and he just gave it to me and he's like, just draw on this. And I'm like, draw what? He's like, yes. And I'm just like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. And, and definitely my assignment for the summer was to draw on that sketchbook. I was taking figure drawing with Carl Ganas over the summer. He did want me to show figure drawings once in a while, but he wasn't too interested in that. He was more interested in helping me find my voice. Wow. And after about a few weeks of just doing, I felt like nothing with him. I was drawing in a sketchbook and he wasn't teaching me. Any, I didn't feel like he was teaching me anything. I was going to his house every, every other day. And he was showing me cool stuff. Like he was telling me about these cool artists that he grew up with. He was talking to me a little bit about, you know, his experiences. But I was like, okay, cool. When do we get storyboarding? And he's like, we're not there yet. And I'm just like, but we I've been here a month and I haven't done any storyboarding, Richard. I, and he's like, no. And then it got to the <laughs> point where I found out uh, that um, one of my really close friends, such like art rivals, uh, got a story internship at Disney, like feature. And that really, and, and yeah, and I really that really like messed me up because I was I was so proud of him, but I was also like, damn, like I laid really not I'm, like, I'm like, maybe I should just give up, like maybe I don't deserve to be here, you know what I mean? Because I'm they're doing something that I'm I do not see, yeah. right? It was a very like childish self-centered view that I had, and I went to Richard, and I'm just like, I don't think I'm, I i do not think I can do this, and he's like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I mean, I I don't think I should do storyboarding or animation anymore. I think I might want to do something else. And he just like laughed at me, and I thought and I was very confused. I'm like what? Like, I'm like what are you laughing for? And he's like, "Give me your sketchbook." I'm like, "Okay." He's like, "No, the other one." And he points at this like sketchbook I have with me that I don't show it to anyone. It's like my trash sketchbook. And he, I whipped that out, and he's he opens it up, and he's like, he shows it to me, and he's like, "You need to apply to students with this." He's like, "This is what you need to show them." And It's like to me, it was like just trash sketches. I'm like, what, I'm like, you have to. I'm like, you are you senile? Like that is. These are the most trash sketches I could have. And he's like, I mean, he's like, let me tell you what's going to happen. If you show studios this, you will not have to apply to a single job. They will come to you. You need to put this in a portfolio, put these into a story format and show it to people. And, th- and, th- and that'll get you jobs. And I was like, I, uh, okay. And I I, I, I I blew it off. I, I blew advice off. I'm like, I don't think that's real. But the rest of the summer, he did have me do like writing drills. and the one story assignment he gave me, I'll never forget. He had me write a 3 x structure, do designs and do beat boards. And i spent two weeks on it. I and This is the end of the summer. And I like came to him with all of my stuff. And I was like, okay, this is my first boarding assignment. I'm going to show him everything I have. And I get there and I put everything on the table. I'm like, Richard, I have all my stuff. And he's like, cool. Before I look at any of this, tell me the heart of your story. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, tell me the heart of your story. And I'm like, it's about this and he's like no 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 what is the heart of it and I was like uh I don't have an answer to that and he's like okay cool I'm not gonna look at any of this then I'm not looking at yeah I'm not looking at a single thing and I'm just like I'm like are you serious and he's like yes I'm not looking at any single drawing you just did because without the heart of the story there's no point in doing anything else and then I was angry at him for like a whole day because I was like I was so sad I put so much work in and then something clicked I don't know what it was. But then when I came back to his house, like a few days later, I think he saw a difference in my eyes and he's like, you're ready. And I'm just like, I didn't do anything.
0: <laughs> I, was like, I didn't do anything. Am I, the whole- am I listening to the script of a future film right now? Like, that's
1: what, that's what I thought. I was like, I, I swear on my life. Like, you know, what, <laughs> you know, it's like, I didn't do much with, at least I didn't think I did at the time, but looking back, I didn't realize how little, how much he was actually training me up. He was exposing me to, good art he was exposing me to like you know these, these i don't know parts of the industry i didn't knew existed because he would show me art quite a bit when i was at his house you know we wouldn't draw a lot but he would show me art he would talk to me he would connect with me you know what i mean he and, and he would encourage me in ways that teachers wouldn't he was like you know the fact they saw my like my you know my shit drawings quote unquote they saw value in them you know, that's something that like, a teacher shared and hadn't done for me before. And that, that actually raised my self-esteem. Uh, he definitely humbled me quite a bit, which I think is also super important because, you know, he, he humbled me, but also encouraged me because he was like, you know, he was like, listen, like, you need to respect this craft. You know what I mean? This is a difficult craft. You need to you ha- have all your P's and Q's right. You know, I's dotted, crease fit and T's crossed. Um, but you also need to believe in yourself. Like you have something special. You need to embrace that. You need to lean into that, and then you can get you'll get what you want. And then fourth year started, and I went back to school feeling like I didn't really have anything. But even my roommates noticed a difference because I came back to fourth year very calm. I came back feeling a lot more ambitious, and I had a full sketchbook. And yeah. I didn't even really, I didn't really feel like realize I filled up his whole sketchbook, and I had like, you know. I I felt a lot lighter in spirit when I came back for fourth year and sure enough to Richard's to a T everything Richard said, um, every interaction I had from a studio that year was them finding me and it was insane. I don't know how it happened. Like I got reached out to by like DreamWorks. I had reviews by like Pixar and Disney and uh, Sony and it, it was just wild. How were they
0: finding you? Like you were posting your stuff online, or you were applying, or a prof was like, "Yeah, check out so, Austin." Or
1: so most of it was through p- part of part of it was through networking. Um, so a lot, so a lot of the finding, quote unquote, would happen sort of like in person. It was like I went to Ottawa, the Ottawa Film Festival, and there was a Disney TV table at the uh, job fair and they weren't looking at portfolios or anything like that. (laughs) So like, I I didn't really, you know, I wasn't going to like show my portfolio, but I wanted to chat with them. So I waited in line, I had a conversation with them and it was really fun. And we just, and I thought it was just a fun conversation, but the recruiter wound up giving me, me her card and little did I know later on, that was me being scouted. Uh, simply because they thought I stood out personality-wise. Like they thought I was, I I didn't seem as like, you know, in my own head, I felt a little more lighthearted. And at CTN, uh, same thing happened. I had, I did sign up for a few portfolio reviews, but they were the ones kind of, but like I went went to the DreamWorks portfolio review, they reached out afterwards being like, hey, like, can you come work on our show? And I was just like, "Um, I'm still in school, question mark and they're just kind of like okay well never mind but it was nice meeting you and i'm just like well, what <laughs> <Dang> just-? <it. laughs> I'm like i'm like what just happened but uh and, and and i i was telling richard about this in real time and he just kind of smirked at me and he's like I, I told you i told you so and i'm just like
0: Richard doesn't seem real. He seems like a like a godlike figure you've made up for the purposes of this story. <laughs> I, I wish I, I I
1: wish I did because he he inflicted so much pain on me that summer. <laughs> oh, no. He was I know, but I, I I love him to death. He's you know he was so instrumental to I think building myself up not just as an artist but possibly as like a future mentor. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because I do love mentoring. I love giving back, and. I think he gave me the tools, or helped refine the tools necessary to do that. You know, having, you know, that self awareness. You know, because he did, he did put me in in my place a bit. Because he was like, you know, he doesn't believe that we need to play victim too much. Because he, and from his perspective, he's like, you know, for third year, everything's stressful in third. Because he's visited Sheridan before, he's like, things are stressful in third year. Like, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. You know, you don't, don't think you were being cursed by the gods of art whatever you know i mean but he's like but yeah but do acknowledge you know your shortcomings you know it's good to acknowledge that you you know we're being lazy you know i mean it's good to acknowledge that you know you fell short in some areas but just take that as learning experience because we all do that and i thought that was really nice for him to put it in that way
0: amazing that was a fantastic story uh podcast over no i know i know right (laughs) next (laughs) Um No, that is crazy. And like, do you have a mentor now still that you because like that was so valuable for you to, you know, further your career at the time? Is is this something that you've kept going as a thing in your career now?
1: Um, Actually, yes. So Richard still lives down the street from my house (laughs) Um, and I still bug him from time to time. He was he's kind of just like my art dad now. When I got my internship at Disney TV, like he came and visited me for lunch and I showed, yeah, it it was a whole thing. He's very like, and at one of my, um, at CTN, he came with me. And before my, and before my Pixar review, the reviewer, one of the, I got reviewed by two people. Um, and one of the reviewers was his friend. Um, so he came with me and, you know, he kind of made sure all my stuff was together. He went full dad mode. He's like, make sure your portfolio is all set up and like, make sure your, you know, suits on right. You know, it was a whole thing. So I still talked to him. Um, he's, Wonderful. He's still part of my art journey.
0: Amazing. Uh, you mentioned a couple times if you could do things over again. Like looking back now, you know, you're a professional working at a giant animation studio on some really cool stuff, like TV shows that have been very popular now. Feature. What would you do um, with your whole schooling experience to get where you are, if that even involves school? If you were to do it all over again, like say you're starting from Austin, who didn't even, who just decided he wants to get into narrative. Mm-hmm. And how do you, if you wanted to fast forward as quickly as possible, like how what would you do?
1: Well, this may sound like a generic answer, but I there, there isn't much I would change because the good, bad, and the ugly shaped who I am now.
0: Yeah. Right. Totally. I, yeah, I, was, I will I was say hoping you were gonna say say yeah. that like you need to go through a lot of different experiences to really gain that confidence and know what to focus on, I think.
1: You do like, you know, I I I don't think there are mistakes, there are only lessons, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, everything helps you get to where you are now.
0: Like, say you took, like, an online storyboarding intensive, I don't know, two years, if, the, if it exists, like, two-year intensive storyboarding from scratch to the finish. Do you think you would still end up as a where you are now? Or you needed all those other influences and whatnot?
1: I think I needed the other influences, yeah. you know? I think I needed to, because I, I, I found that I'm, I can be very, especially as a student, I was... I could be very impressionable, which is why I think my character and portfolio was very stiff, you know? So I think if I took a storyboarding intensive class, I think it would have just, I would have done that mistake I told you about earlier, which is that I would have made what I think pop people wanted to see. Cause, um, you know, some of the stories I made in in fourth year, like my thesis film, which was about twerking, uh, you know, they were seen as unconventional, even by the staff of Sheridan. And they were very much like, what is, what is but it like it, <laughs>
0: like it it's like one of the ones that stand out in my mind because it was so different because everybody most people do like the conventional hero's journey mm-hmm. you know etc and it's not like it's not super fun it's like a serious sad ending so like most not always but like i don't know sure films are very yeah. serious <laughs> yeah
1: like really moody and i think that's part of because it's part of the culture you know cuz the teacher is very much like they pitch this thing where it's like, you know, this is your calling card to the industry. So it needs to be mature. and It needs to yeah. be like X, Y, and Z. And like like I said, for me, I think part of because of Richard, I went to fourth year, not just more calm, but more like confident, but yeah. not in an arrogant way. You know, I came in kind of being like, I know very much who I am. I know what I do. Yeah. And the advice that they were giving me just didn't fit with my artistic vision. So I just ignored <laughs> the advice a little bit. Yeah. I also, I also knew I wasn't like, you know, I also knew I wasn't, you know, being, a. I wasn't slacking. I was doing a film. It was just doing it my way. Right.
0: Did you make your film keeping in mind that you wanted to become a storyboard artist or just like, I'm going uh, to make whatever I want to make?
1: Uh, I just want to make whatever I want to make because I knew I was making a storyboard portfolio specifically. Gotcha. Um, I intentionally made a lot of the shots in my film flat because like I said, I'm more of an actor anyway. So I was like, I want to focus more on like the twerking and the colors and, cinematography is secondary well we can my audience will forgive that it's just a joke yeah. film
0: you know totally totally yeah um totally. okay I have a I have a maybe a different topic but you mentioned before that you were the only black male in your graduating class at Sheridan so do you like do you want to talk about diversity and like uh from what you've experienced in Canadian animation school and United States uh um, yeah workplace as well
1: yeah um I really love talking about this because, you know, I think I mentioned it before, it's like, I think this is a topic that I think people, you know, are getting more comfortable with. And I think for me, it's, ne- it's less of a problem of like diversity and more about integration, right? So like I shared, and like I said before, like I was the only black man who graduated and the kind of the problem with that was that I felt like a lot of the experiences I had, and also I was an American on top of that, going to like a Canadian school. So it felt a little extra isolating. Right. Um, and it was unfortunate because, you know, there were, there were times where, you know, I couldn't really have a conversation with somebody that was, you know, like me, that going through similar challenges, you know, because Richard, uh, my mentor, he is uh, Hispanic. Right. So he is a person of color and he so he also knows elephant in the room. Like as a person of color, you do have to work twice as hard to not be perceived as like lazy or, you know, to be seen. Hmm. And, you know, like you feel like that right now. Um, yes and no. I do feel like as a person of color, you are under a microscope more, whether or not people intend to. You know what I mean? It's like you do stand out right? And that's just, and that's just culture as a whole, especially capitalistic culture. Uh, But the good news is, is that like, especially in the industry right now, it's changing really fast. And in ways I didn't really expect, like um, Netflix put together this uh, speaker series where they got a panel of Black artists from all across the studio to do a talk for this Facebook group called Black and Animated, which was started by a couple of uh, people at disney it has like 200 plus members and i got to do a talk with them representing netflix and netflix has like uh uh different panels every week i think featuring i think uh our black women speak series and i think uh we had minky my director and a few and like megan dong that uh, creator center world featured on an asian centric panel and like things like that and I know at a glance, it's very easy to see those things as like, okay, well, they're just panels, but that's super, that's super crucial because what's happening is that now you are not only highlighting your artists of color, but you are make you're, you're allowing them a space to speak without sort of like modding from like, you know, white coworkers. And I think it's, and I'm seeing a difference now, even in like in real time, it's slow. It's slow, but um.
0: So like a, like you've been in the professional industry for through when did you graduate 2019? Yeah 2019. So even in the two years that you've worked at Netflix and your internship Disney Disney internships, whatever you've seen there via change
1: Yeah I noticed on the Owl House my very first yeah. uh, my first gig because I noticed because Dana Terrace the showrunner, is white and the line producer of the Owl house Wade is also white. And that's why it was more apparent to me that there were change, there were changes because, mm-hmm. you know, they were, and you know, the, the, the network puts who's in charge. You know what I mean? Like Dana didn't pick Wade as her producer, even though they work amazingly together. And I love Wade, but like, you know, the entire story team was like people of color and like the lead designer, the lead character designer Marina is a woman. And then also the art director, Ricky is Asian. And I'm just And I remember just feeling like at home on the owl house, in a way, I didn't feel like like Sheridan.
0: Yeah, you know
1: what I mean. And I was like, I'm like, what's going, what's going on here? You know what I mean. Uh, and th- it makes a huge difference because all of a sudden, I could, I find myself having, I could have conversations that I couldn't have anywhere else. I could just, you know, I could be more of myself. And it didn't. And Dana never made her voice the loudest in the room, even though she is the showrunner. You know, and I think that was super commendable because that's that's something you have to do very actively, especially, you know, in a position of power. Right. Like and I really commend her for that. Like I'll always I'll always like sing Dana's praises because she treated me extremely. And also like side note for Dana, I'll I'll say one more good thing about Dana. I was an intern. Right. Um, And she didn't have to do anything for me. Like because they were just bestowed with me. They just I just they Disney just dropped me on their doorstep and be like, here's your child now for the next like three months, three or four months. And Dana's like, okay, cool. So here's your office space. And I'm going to give you art to actually do on the show. And also I'm gonna ask you your opinion on literal things, because I want your opinion. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm like, is that allowed? Like she made me feel like a part of it. And that's integration. She made me feel like part of the team. She made me feel like I had. I own part of the story Yeah, and everyone on the crew did that. And I thought That's it amazing. was really, yeah, it was, it was wonderful.
0: Um, thinking back to like Sheridan, do you think like, why is it you were the only black male? Like, Cause there's what, 125 students-ish per yeah. year? Like, do you think um, like uh, people of color are not applying to get into animation or it's just, there, yeah. there's not a rep- representation that people think it's a career for them? Like, why do you think it's it's so small?
1: Yeah, you know, there's layers to it, but definitely one of them is that there, there really aren't that many uh, people of color, especially like Black people applying to animation schools, especially Black men, because the arts is seen as, you know, more effeminate, you know, if you yeah. it, especially in the Black community for men, if you are not like doing something academic or it's not like sports or something like, you know, respectable and typical capitalistic views, it's looked down upon. Like even for me, when I got into Sheridan, like my parents did not want me to go initially. Like I literally had to kind of just, you know, not force my way through. I kind of was just like, all right, I'll just go into debt and take out loans on my own. And then you know they were kind of like, okay, we'll let you go for like a year and then we'll see what happens. And then I stayed the whole four years. But um, yeah, like it, there aren't that many. You know what I mean? It's it, it is it is a real thing. A lot of it was so sad. I was just talking to a. Counselor from a high school. Uh, she's black, and she has a black mentee who's I think a senior, and she wanted to apply to art school. I saw her art, and it's actually really good. Yeah, like she can she can get to Sheridan like now, like it's that good. And I was like, okay, like this is easy then. I'm like, okay, like here's some art schools you could apply to. Here's student loan information. I got an update from her later on that her parents discouraged her from going, and now she's not going to animation. And oh, wow. that's it's very very common, and that's why like not just black men. There weren't that many. Black women or Black NB people at Sheridan either. You know, it's like, it's it's often discouraged. So that is number one. And then number two, you and I talked about it a bit before, but it's like when you get to Sheridan, because it, it can feel a little more homogenous and a little more like lighter skin centric, you know, Black people don't always feel welcome there, which is why like the only other Black man that was in my class, he left after his first year. I don't remember why he left, but I do know that like we talked a few times, he 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 wasn't digging the vibe of Sheridan, you know. He wasn't, he didn't feel like he fit in there. And I totally, yeah. I I totally understand that because you know you can't really you can't talk to anybody really, you know, and especially I think he was American as well. Like you know, especially as an American black person, you have less to talk about with people at Sheridan than like even like and you know what I mean that's that's so little.
0: Well, yeah, and community is such a huge part of what like animation in general, like the reason animation as an industry exists is because, you know, you need tons of artists. And if you don't feel like you to fit in with a community you're, you're in like that, I can totally see that, like, you know, just derailing it for you. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad you're seeing it's changing because I think I think that's great. Are there things like you want to see happen that that you think yeah. will help that?
1: Yeah, I think we need. I think primarily we need more like women of color in positions where they can be heard without, uh, you know, consequences, you know? Particularly I see that black women in the industry are the most silenced because black women are seen as like, you know, if they have an opinion an opinion on anything, they are seen as taking up space or aggressive, which is most women, right? Women of color get it, a lot worse. I see it it expands to, you know, obviously Latino women, Asian women, you know, Indian women. It's really, really toxic. And I think we need to just like, I literally just think men need to just not be in positions of power for like a while. Like I firmly believe that even queer men, because I see that like studios are trying to get away with this thing where they put like people in positions of power and they're like, hey, this guy is a man, but he is also queer, but it's just like some white dude. And I'm just like, okay, no, we need to, okay, you're almost there. Yeah, we need,
0: they're still, you know, they're still filling the places with men, white men, because they're like, this white man is a minority, kind yeah. of,
1: <laughs> TM, right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's definitely not enough. And I think the problem with that is that, you know, I it's, there's a, it's, you know, I think it's a bit of an uh, epidemic within the animation industry, you know, that there's a lot of guilt you know, especially like, you know, white guilt, there's like, we've been with like straight guilt as well in the industry, you know, people that aren't marginalized are feeling very guilty, and it's not their fault, you know what I mean? And this is the part I really want to like express to all viewers, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're in a position of privilege, you know, that is not your fault. You are not a bad person for being privileged, you did not ask to be privileged, right? Um, But it is, your responsibility to sort of, you know, make room, right? If you are, if you acknowledge your privilege, you don't have to feel guilty. Yeah. You just need to simply like, not like make too much noise. You know what I mean? If a, if a person of color is speaking on an issue, yeah. you don't have to clap back. You don't have to feel attacked because we're not, this is not about you specifically. Right? Um, so say
0: Sam like like, um a white, straight white male or just a male director on a show right now, like, and I'm listening to this and I'm like, you know what, that, that is a good point. What can I specifically do to, you know, enable more voices to be heard or like use my privilege or whatever to empower others? Like what is something active I can actually do in my role?
1: The irony is that the most active thing you can do is, you know, very very quiet it's trusting the people of color on your team it's allowing them to do you know their work it's allowing them to bring forward ideas and trusting trusting that like you would have been any any other coworker. most of what people of color have been asking for especially in the last year but kind of forever is you know especially with the whole BLM movement that happened last summer I think a lot of And animation, animation got a little spooked because they started making a lot of noise being like, oh my God, we didn't realize how bad this was. What do you want us to do? How do we change things? And we're literally sitting here being like, we literally just want to be treated as people. That's all we wanted. You know what I mean? You don't got to do, you don't got to go out into the streets and punch police or whatever. You just have to let us exist. You know what I mean? You have to take the microscope off of us. You need to let us speak our mind without feeling attacked personally. It's, it's silent, you know, you let your people do their job. You also make room. You also like look around the room, right? It's like, make sure that your space isn't homogenous. You make sure people submitting ideas don't exactly look like you all the time, right? Um, that's, it's, just, it's just a bit of self-awareness. And it, it takes time. I think that's something that we need to acknowledge as well. No one's expecting anyone to, you know, fix this like tomorrow. Yeah. It's a life, it's a lifelong Commitment to make these changes. Um,
0: do you do you yeah. feel like there's anything um, within the art of storyboarding your, that you're doing yourself that you are you know that reflects this as well? Like creating you know TV shows it, and and feature films like with what you're doing? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, like I said before, um, for Cuphead again, there was that genre board. They were like, oh, awesome, be cool, cool for this or whatever. Like there are so many things that make us unique other than our race, but I think our race informs a lot of what we do. You know what I mean? Like, because it's, a lot of it is cultural, right? Like me being a black artist is a huge part of my identity in my art. Even if my art is not like Afrocentric, you know what I mean? It's like, my experiences just being black in America have informed every facet of who I am. And because of that, my art is, its own brand that you would not maybe see from a white person you know because yeah. i i see things from a different lens and like you know it, it, it's it's like shows can really capitalize on that which is kind of cool <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> i I think, I think they're realizing like oh wait if we let people of color do things we make more original content wow you know it's 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 kind of cool so I, I i like i i, I do see it Right. Like even like my twerking film. Right. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like a joke film or whatever, but twerking is inherently that's, that's a, that's a move that originates from African dance. Right. So even that's what I mean by it's subtle. Like, it's not like, there are no black people in my film, but the concept of the film even indirectly like tons of separations of degrees.
0: Totally. Like it's like, Oh, I, yeah. Sorry, I'm maybe speaking too soon, but I thought you're just going to say like, you know, what your art is a reflection of who you are inside and and mm-hmm. the experience that you come across. Like, I've I feel that too, and I almost feel like sometimes I have a hard time tapping into that because of what we were talking before about what you think other people want to see with what you create. When it's like really, you know, what stands out for you as an artist or me as an artist is actually, you know, that combined experience of growing up in a society where, you know, like for me, I'm queer, so that, that's a big part of my internal identity and it comes through my art not that I'm creating like queer characters or whatnot but just like what they do and the personalities and how the topics and themes and stuff um is there like so you're still I mean I don't want to say fresh but like I love that you're (laughs) you've like you're only a couple years into your career like do you think about what you want to do you know uh in a long-term sense like Like, is there like a perfect project or like a message or like a story that you want to infuse into the world with what you're doing as a career?
1: That's a really good question, because uh, if you had asked me a year ago, you would have gotten a very different answer. Um, I think I before I was really into being a showrunner and like making, you know, pitching my ideas and doing it, you know, that whole thing. And And that's still the case, sort of. Yeah. Now I think I'm really invested in, uh, you know, young talent and integrating, mm. you know, diverse talent, not just diverse in terms of race. I'm talking about diverse in terms of also like location. Like yeah. I'm really interested in bringing in because what was cool about Sheridan was that you would get like people from all over the world sometimes. Like one of my closest friends, Turchin, who I think you've probably heard of, like she's she's genuinely very unique because she was born in Turkey and then moved to China when she was like five, and lived there like most of her life, but also lives now in Turkey again. And also she's been around the world. And because of that, she has such a specific type of experience that is unique to her. She has the very specific flavor, you know? And because of that, she brings something totally different. And what? And I, I think being getting close with her was really eye-opening. Cause I was like, you know, I think she is unique, but I was also just like, how many people are like you that we just haven't tapped into yet or we haven't brought into the industry yet yeah right yeah like like how many how many kids just like you are just not being seen oh totally or or mentored
0: i think about that all the time and like like i with this podcast i specifically try to reach out to other countries and get people involved there because like you know everybody grows up around the world and stories and so important in all of our cultures and it's animation is really only like a north american slash asian thing like you know does turkey have a giant animation industry i don't i don't think so but like all those people have super great stories that can be shared too but it's like why does north american or like specific the u.s storytelling and animation is what gets exported to the rest of the world and that everybody sees you know so
1: yeah that's why i'm actually really excited and i have a lot of hope for animation in the future because again it's like again you're already doing sort of what i think what i think um a lot of uh like a, a lot of people like say they want to do, right? In, t- in terms of like, oh, I want to bring people into the industry. I want to give people a place to speak. And you're actually doing that. And I think that's super, that's super commendable. And also your podcast is really fun. Like I said. am going to cry. I no, I, no, 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 but I'm really serious. Because again, elephant in the room, it's like you are a white dude, right? Yeah. And you are a white dude in animation. And the fact that you're giving like, even like right now, like in real time, you're giving a person of color a platform to speak and you're asking questions and you're gonna you're like, okay, cool, I'm gonna put this on the internet. I'm gonna let people listen to it. That, that, is, that it may seem subtle, but that's kind of what I'm talking about. I'm just like, this is kind of a real time example of how you use your privilege to your example. I mean, I mean to your advantage, yeah. right? It, it didn't have to be a whole thing. And also we're having fun, right? It's like, and I'm like a whole like, you know, this is the, you know, whatever black artists talk tm it's just a talk with austin and he's also black and also having fun and we're like you know we're both queer and it's a whole time right talking about cartoons
0: well that's also like that's also maybe it's a side point but what i love about art and animation is because like you don't you don't see the people behind it they could be anybody and then you know like unfortunately for a long time it's just very old white men <laughs> behind it, <laughs> but now it's it can be anybody, and it is anybody, and it's like the stories that we're telling now are just phenomenal. Like, um, uh, like, I, well, I follow so many Netflix projects, and you know, like Maya and the and the Three is coming out, and like that is a that's like a first thing too. Like, you know, all the the yeah. South American storytelling that's going to be available to the rest of the world, and I think that's incredible. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say, but oh, so um. A big part of how I knew about you beforehand is you are into like mentoring and teaching. And like, I knew that you were like teaching other, some of my classmates at Sheridan. And that was just like something that Austin is known for. And I think, you know, you, you have a passion for resource sharing and whatnot. Where does that come from? You know, and, and like you said, that's a big part of what you want to do in the future. So
1: I, I don't know. I've always had a bit of a, like that parental instinct. I, I actually found out I accidentally was into teaching like when I was very young. I was like 13, in um, eighth. I don't know if people know this, but like in eighth grade in America, there's this like rite of passage, Washington DC trip you go on. Um, I did not go. So I was assigned to help substitute teach, not some. Sub- I was helped to be a TA for a first grade class that's in school. Yeah. And I don't know what happened between day one and like day two, but I wound up just teaching the class myself. And the teacher just let me because I love the kids. I love <laughs> teaching. And at the end of like the couple of weeks, the teacher pulled me aside and she was like, hey, have you considered being a teacher? Like, cause you're really good at it. And I was like, no, I want to be an artist. And I just left, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, but then, you know, I just naturally went back to it at Sheridan. Like I, I saw that, I think I started very small. Like my, my first year at Sheridan, I saw there were a lot of ambitious uh, people in fundies that wanted to get into animation, but wanted to like, you know, get really good and I was like oh like I have things to share like here's what I did and it turned into mentoring and I also just love I don't know I, I guess I have a heart for people like specific people as well because I wouldn't just mentor anyone or gravitate towards anyone I think it was the people that were being overlooked especially mm. especially in fundies because as you know like in art fundamentals like it's a dime a dozen everyone's there's hundreds of people's in fundies everyone wants to go to animation or illustration yeah. And there are a lot of talented people in fundies, but there were, there were some people that I saw were either struggling with their identity or they weren't like being, they just were being overlooked, but they had something really special and it wasn't being tempered or they weren't being mentored in the proper way. And I would just like pull them aside and be like, I, I know what that shit's like. You know what I mean? Like I see you and I want you to feel seen because you were important.
0: I think that's phenomenal cuz like me, I'm a, I was at Sheridan and I don't know anybody in art fundies at all. Like I never had an opportunity to specifically connect with them unless I guess I went out of my way. I was well. I was also very just focused on like I didn't know how to draw or anything, so I was like spending every day just like trying to trying to learn myself. Oh my but God. uh, I think that's phenomenal. Do you are you still doing things like that now that you're on Netflix? Like, are you running workshops or like you know taking on mentees or can you mentor? Yeah. Me? Oh my God! No. No, you're were, you were amazing. I remember when I first saw your step assured, and I was just like, "Why is he here?" <laughs> like, no, no, was, no,
1: no, but um, actually, I am. Um, I just. So it came full circle. Um, I didn't get a job after co-op, but this this summer I wound up being a co-op mentor. And I wound up mentoring a few third year students. Amazing. um, In storyboarding, which was extremely rewarding. And I really miss doing it. I find that I work better when I'm mentoring, which is why I think I did it during school. Um, I don't know. I think it just kept me on top of my game. It helped me. You know, stay focused. So this summer when I was mentoring, I found that my work at my day job was getting better. You know, I was able to focus more. I felt better about art, you know. So I just kind of accepted I might just want to do that as a recurring thing, just mentor every so often. Amazing. Yeah. Spread the knowledge, spread the love.
0: I think that's really special and cool because, like, you know, as an artist, you can get very caught up in uh, maybe caught up is the wrong word, but you can, you can be very focused on enhancing your own skill and furthering. Cause it's a, it's a tough industry. Like there's a certain bar you have to meet to just get in and then, you know, to keep getting those jobs, you have to keep improving. But I think it's also incredible that you look behind you and, and try to lift up others as well. I think that's amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we, sh- I, mean, I think we should. Right. And I think it's like, you know, I, I, I saw it in real time at Sheridan because we-, we just talked about it. Like there was a, Quite a separation between animation students and fundies, like we didn't talk that much, and I thought that was really unfortunate. Because I'm just like, you know, th- this there's could a person in fundies could be literally like running Pixar in like ten years. Like you never, know. yeah, right. I, you know, what I mean, it's like it's like we. I, and the one thing I really wanted to make very clear with like fun, my fundy students, you know, what I mean because I think especially at Sheridan, like, the animation program is really like you know high ranking and you know. It's a whole thing, which was news to me when I got to Sheridan, because I didn't know about Sheridan's ranking or anything when I got to school there. I found out how big the animation program was like once I arrived. Um, But I would tell my Fundy students, like, listen, uh, none of us have jobs. (laughs) You know what I mean? We're all literally in the same building, drawing the same OCs. Like we're not, we're literally, where we are literally the same. There's no difference between you and me. You know what I mean? And not in a patronizing way. It's literally just like, we are literally all students at Sheridan. We are all paying tuition. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's important to see it from that, that lens. So that's why I don't, you know, I see it as like just doing your part for, you know, not just the industry, but like, you know, just for personal growth, you know, everyone has something, you can learn something from everyone. I learned a lot from my Fundy students. You know what I mean? I still, I learned a lot this summer from my third years, right? It's like, I, I love learning and absorbing knowledge from just any, any, anyone and people you don't expect it from like totally. people that are still growing.
0: Yeah. I love that. I just love that perspective. It just makes me feel nice when I hear you say that. Oh my God. <laughs> well, cause yeah. like, you know, this podcast is very like career driven and I'm asking questions like, how do you become a director? What are the next steps? And, and like, this conversation is more about like, just we're a community. Let's all like empower each other and just like have, have fun and like, there's no difference between, and that's something that I've really gotten from this podcast as well. Like everybody that I've talked to has had the same underlying passion. And from the start, you know, they saw stories as a kid and they, they loved it and they liked drawing and they just want to make cool stuff. And that's, and the rest is like, you know, just semantics on top of that. Like, we're all just, we're all just cute people making art for others in this grueling, uh, overworked. It's true. I know. Festival industry.
1: We're, I know, we are trying our best to stay afloat. Yeah. Uh, but you're right, you know, we are, at the end of the day, we, we, ha- we have each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we are just trying to make a cartoon.
0: Right, like, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Like, I remember I was like working at a studio earlier this year on a stop motion thing. And sometimes it would get so serious. And then at the end of the day, like I'd go into the like puppet hospital and be like, <laughs> um my puppet broke and this is my job like your job is to like glue hair on this (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like this is so silly and ridiculous like this little tiny thing (laughs) it's yeah but it's like you can take it so seriously so I love that um I'm just I don't want to take up all your time but is there anything you know like that you wanted to to leave on or like final words or thoughts for anybody listening or just me or yourself (laughs)
1: uh well first of all I I had an amazing time. Like I said, I I don't, you know, I always never know what to expect in podcasts because I literally just go off the cuff and I just don't know what I'm gonna say next. Um, But yeah, if there's anything to take away from this is that you can really do things your own way and be successful in animation. You know, I didn't, you know, falter when it came to just letting myself just be me yeah. think myself just do the things that i liked whether it be mentoring or you know making a twerking film or you know i don't know i would go to you know i would maybe allow myself to sleep in more and not have to worry about homework making your homework assignments perfect like you can do all of that and still be successful you know totally. you can do things your own way just be dedicated and stick to your stick to your guns Yeah,
0: and if you're not having fun in this industry, like why are you here? (laughs) Please, oh my God,
1: please have please have fun. It's like, yeah, don't don't take anything too seriously. You know, it's like we are (laughs) like, please, you know, life is too short. You know, yeah, take your craft seriously, but like have make it fun, you know, don't lose the fun, don't lose the kidding you. That will keep you alive. That keeps me alive at my job, you know, like because it's gonna get hard, you know. It's whatever, we're in a capitalistic society, so you gotta pay your bills. But uh, know how to keep it fun and lighthearted.
0: Yeah, you know? dedicated. You also I like what you said about you have to be dedicated as well, because that's so important. You can't just be like show up and have fun one day and then just like yeah. the right. rest of the time. You gotta, yeah, you Consi- gotta you, yeah. yeah.
1: Consistency is key. Yeah. You know, like definitely discipline yourself, right? Like you can't ignore that, but don't lo- but don't lose sight of why you started to begin with.
0: Totally, you know? totally.
1: Always revisit that when you get lost.
0: Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanted to share? Um, I... You don't have to.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you see, so then we're just drawing Can a you blank. Just say no.
0: Just say no. That's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, I, I would say you feel free to reach out to me, like anybody, anytime. Uh, I do, like I said, a little helping and giving back. Um, so reach nice. out. you ever want to chat or have questions about anything? I'm happy to chat talk
0: amazing well i've super enjoyed this chat and i'm really happy you came on and thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you terry you're I welcome be here <laughs> yeah yes. and if if you're listening and you want to reach out and get in touch with austin you can do so by following him on twitter and instagram and he goes by rocks in rocks and those are with x's and i'll include those links in the description of this chat and that is all for now so thank you so much for listening okay bye <laughs> The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.